0: Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit, and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the Word. Enjoy today's message.
1: Life is marked with things that we ought to celebrate. We try to make the most of that around here. Uh, several folks I see that I haven't seen for a while, welcome, love you, won't call out your names, but I wrote it down so I get to talk to you hopefully before you get away. It's good to be in the house of God together. This should be a season where Christians feel compelled and called to come into fellowship. There should be a, a shaking loose of anything that's getting in the way because if we look to the scriptures, uh, the scriptures indicate that so many things have been fulfilled that Jesus could just come anytime. time. I know there's a lot, of, a lot of people out there thinking that will never happen, but the Bible says it will happen. So if we choose to believe the Bible, and around here we do, we give God's Word the highest place in our life of authority. If we find it there and we can validate it several places in the Scripture, then we say that's ironclad. That's how it is. And when we choose to believe that, our faith becomes greater and greater in God. And what happens, what should happen over time, is we become overwhelmed from time to time with the presence of God. Yeah, I pray that that will begin to happen more and more, even during service. when, When any of you come in with a situation or a need or a question that you have for the Lord, that His presence while you're here will be working in you. What happens is the Holy Spirit inside of us recognizes what He's hearing. The Holy Spirit lives in you if you're born again. If Jesus is your Savior and Lord, then the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, or what what people say today is Jesus himself lives in you, but it's his Holy Spirit. Whenever you hear the word preached, the Holy Spirit in you is going to bear witness. That means something on the inside of you say, that's right, you want to hear that, you want to pay attention. And then when we start paying attention, we recognize what we should do with that information for our life, and our mind turns on and says, I want to do that. See, our mind lines up with the mind of Christ. And what happens is He begins to change our our mind about things. He begins to change our our life in ways we could never change on our own. If you're going to be overwhelmed, and you will be in this age, choose to be overwhelmed with the Spirit of God. It's a choice. He is always available. What we're going to do in this, this near term is, is talk along these lines, because a desire for every person that, that chooses to attend here, to embrace the Holy Spirit, the person of God, is God with us. You can hear the Scripture, and a lot of it seems like, well, that was a long time ago, but the God with us makes it true right now. The Holy Spirit brings it into our life right now, and I've learned without His help, I can't get God's Word to work in my life. When we we talk about faith and having faith in God's word, we're really having faith in God's word working by the anointing and power of the person of the Holy Spirit. His job in the earth and why he can't leave the earth until all of us do, he is bound to stay because he's bound to you and me. It was the promise of the heavenly father that Jesus, before he left the earth for one last time till we see him physically in the earth again, 40 days after his resurrection, he gathered the disciples together in the book of Acts chapter one, along with 120 that went to an upper room, and it was 40 days since Jesus had been raised from the dead, and 40 in the Bible is the number of completion. It means a certain section of work is done. And Jesus' final day on the earth before that ascension, he gathered everybody together, and he said, I'm here to tell you, when I go, I'm sending you the promise of the Father. But heaven was going to have two out of three at the same time. Jesus had to go to heaven and ascend to sit at the right hand of the Father for the Father to dispatch the Holy Spirit to come to earth to live in us, just like we saw Jesus having the Holy Spirit descend on him when he came up out of the River Jordan after the baptism of John. That was a type of the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus, but Jesus said, I'm going to give you one better. And he said in just a few days, it ended up being 10 days, and that's why we call a a certain day after Jesus' resurrection, the 50th day, Pentecost. Because on Pentecost, when they were all gathered together, heaven came to earth yet again, but this time in the person of the Holy Spirit to never leave us and never forsake us. That's why Jesus himself said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you because he was sending the promise of the father, a promise that God himself made to Christ Jesus. He said, you redeem them. I will send them a helper and they will come full circle and they will have some heaven on earth. They will have an anointed kind of life. So well, why then don't I have heaven on earth? You've got to be overwhelmed with God. I'm gonna gonna attempt to teach you. I'm gonna il- illustrate some things in this this coming few Sundays, and give opportunity at the end of every service for your faith to be full, to be filled. Or I'm gonna say this: some of you just need a jump start to get overwhelmed with God because you're overwhelmed with too much of everything else. And that happens to Christians. I don't mean it in a bad way. I've experienced that myself. Where just if the enemy can't get to you any other way, he'll overwhelm you and bog you down. I relate to being kind of sometimes a a pack mule or an ox pulling a cart and, you know, you get too much stuff in my cart, it's a slow start in the morning. You get too much stuff in the cart and I wear out a little too easily and and I have a tendency personally to start throwing stuff out of the cart. (laughs) You know, I can only do so much or take so much and we experience that in life. But we also have a helper a divine helper. And what I see many times people do is we kind of throw some spiritual stuff out of the cart. We got to leave in the cart. We got to remember his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's not adding the weighty stuff. What happens when we're overwhelmed with the spirit of God is we recognize there are certain things we've just got to do and hang on to. There are certain things in our relationships we've got to communicate. There are certain things about life that are more precious than other things, particularly when it comes to people. And the Holy Spirit, when he overwhelms us, will tend to help us reorganize in a way we wouldn't think of on our own. He's out to make it be what Jesus said. The yoke is easy and the burden is light. He's out to be our helper. He's not interested in pulling heavy burdens. He's interested in destroying the heavy burdens and the heavy yokes. He's interested in what's mostly in our cart has to do with we have an agenda from on high. And what God does is he will make everything in the cart lighter if we embrace what he gives us to do. And I've experienced that, but I've also experienced the attack of the devil when I have a season that things are going pretty good. The enemy tries to figure out a way, how can I get a boulder to fall off the mountain in this mule's cart when he walks by? And and what, what you know is Jesus is our master, the Holy Spirit is our helper, but there's times when we're under a lot of pressure, we're not hearing the voice of God like we should because we're too busy complaining about everything we got going on. I'll tell you what cancels out the voice of God the most when we start fussing about life. I've got a lot of examples, but I ain't giving them this morning because there's not time. But over the course of all of this, we'll revisit some things like that. How we, how we get disconnected or not so filled with the Spirit of God. See, we, we, we have something to understand. The Holy Spirit's more like a fountain drink than anything else. We can be as full as we want to as often as we want to. We just have to call on Him. And we can have what he has to give. And the greatest thing about the Holy Spirit is he knows what's next before we do and he'll give us what we need before we know we need it. And then we won't be so overwhelmed when life situations happen. We'll be in a position of trusting him instead of thinking we can bear all burdens. We weren't made to bear all the burdens. We weren't made to bear all the cares of this life that keep rolling across the news. We weren't born again to bear any of that. Without the Holy Spirit's help, we are like the pack mule. But the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 this one belongs to the kingdom. And he helps us recognize what to speak to in our life to lighten the burden. Why am I doing this? Well, one thing, I think of my kids when they were little and how much I tried to accomplish. And if I could go back and change some things, I would. I'd have had more time with my kids. I thank Lucinda this morning because she was the full-time parent. We both worked, but she made sure they got parented when I was 1,000 miles or 3,000 miles away. I appreciate that. We made a good team. We still make a good team. But when I look back and now recognize uh, half of my life, it's got to be over. I'd have to live to be 120 if I'm halfway. So it's got to be there. Looking back on the first half, there's things I recognize that will preach. Now, one is this the Holy Spirit will help you not have as many regrets. If you'll learn to give yourself to him from time to time, to be overwhelmed just a little by the Spirit of God, he'll help make life better. He'll shake out some crooked places. We think the crooked places have to do with troubled times, but they really have to do more with uh, mistaken priority. And getting the heart of God in us uh pumping the energy of the Holy Spirit through our being, where we have more of the mind of Christ. So that's a a, a little introduction, a little something to think about of how much we benefit from the person of the Holy Spirit. He can be, for some, just kind of a a watchdog or a, a rescue for trouble. If we don't listen any other times, we tend to call on Him when we get in trouble bad enough. And how many times people hit their knee and say, oh God, when we do that, we're talking to the Holy Spirit because he's the one right there ready to help. He's the helper. He's the comforter. We get done crying out. We feel better. But he would rather rearrange life so that we don't have to go through much of that because anxiety, even for a moment, does not do your heart good. It does not extend long life. It tends to take away. It tends to take away from relationships because we get ouchy. And when we get ouchy, we're ouchy on the people around us, and they don't deserve it. So what the Holy Spirit does is He comforts by helping us make right decisions and do right things and adjust our priorities. When I look at the overview of Scripture, what the Holy Spirit does is changes our identity from what it was before we were born again into the fullness of Christ after we've been born again. But here's the the kicker. He takes his time because we make him take his time. Between moments of real infilling, sometimes we've got a gap. And what he can't do for us is fill in the gap of disobedience because we're not learning to be a partner with him. He wants to be the other mule in the oak. He wants to be the one that we call alongside to help, but he won't be there unless we call on him. He doesn't stay without us talking to him. He doesn't cooperate uh, without us telling him what we want to do. He's a servant to the most high God's agenda through our lives. He's not going to pull you his direction without you saying, I think I want you to lead right now. But when we give him room, he gently nudges us in the right direction. And Scripture calls that the unction of the Holy Spirit of a little nudging on the inside. I believe this is a better decision. And when we obey the little nudgings, we get a little more information from time to time. And pretty soon it can turn into what we call truly being led by the Holy Spirit of God. But we don't do that by default. We do that by purposefully engaging another person. Think of the Holy Spirit as a person. Your friend that will keep his mouth shut unless you ask his opinion. Your friend who will give you the leadership place and he will support you and be with you no matter what even when you make mistakes. Your friend that will intervene when you ask but let leave you to your own devices when you won't because your will has to call on his will to line up. Sometimes people have the wrong idea about the Holy Spirit that he just takes over your will. He can never do that. He is a servant to you including your will. So the best way to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit is to talk to Him. I went a long time talking to Him before I felt unctions and urges and knowings and, and even hearing the Word of the Lord. And today, many people would say, well, that's, a, that's kind of old-fashioned. God doesn't do that anymore. I'm a living testimony. He does that all the time. As often as I call on Him, He will bring an answer to me. Sometimes I don't hear it right away. Why, Would I get too busy and too too preoccupied or I talk too much? I've learned in prayer, sometimes I just need to be quiet and let him speak, let him show me something. Sometimes I'll just get a, a glimpse or an idea, and I'll come out and think, well, I would have never thought of that. That's probably that it's from him, see? If I would never think of it, why? He likes to tell me what I don't know. That's called the word of knowledge in the Scripture. He likes to show me things to come. That's called the word of wisdom in the future, where I won't know something's about to hit me between the eyes, but he'll know. And he'll say, duck. He isn't going to jump in there and deflect the bullet. He can tell me, duck. And I duck. Why? He's got to cooperate with my will, and I've got to learn to cooperate with what he knows. That's a person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus wanted this for every believer. It was prophesied in Joel 2 and again in Acts 2 that the Holy Spirit would come upon all flesh. That means everybody has an equal opportunity, and I'm glad of that. I've heard it it preached by folks who don't believe much of the Bible. Well, you got to wait a long time and tarry forever and get your act cleaned up. No, the Holy Spirit comes in when you ask, and He helps you with everything. He likes to come in when there's work to do. Why? He's God in the flesh fixing what's been messed up. He's here to help us respond to and work with power of God. So today, today's all about an introduction, but there's some today when we get to altar time. You just want to be rejuvenated by the Spirit of God. I have a wonderful experience in my life. Again and again, I see people countlessly filled with the Holy Spirit or refilled with the Spirit of God. Why? Well, I've learned to live in a place where I can call in Him at any time, and I allow Him to overwhelm me. Now, when you're overwhelmed at first by the Spirit of God, you think, well, this is different. While you're overwhelmed, you, f- you suddenly feel different. In fact, he affects your feelings Why he wants you to know what his presence is like and you feel good, you feel better, you feel more free. Worries seem to start to evaporate. I say start to evaporate because you can reach out and take them back and he doesn't like that. <laughs> when you reach out and take anxiety back, he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, I was trying to take that away from you. Why? He's helping us accomplish the impossible things. When we talk about with God all things are possible to the one who believes, we're talking about the working of the Holy Spirit for the one who believes. If we believe he's working, then we give him opportunity to come in and we can stop him or we can let him overwhelm us a little bit. Being overwhelmed by the Spirit of God will take you to the next level of your relationship with God. How often believers are overwhelmed with the work of the wicked one if we would allow the Holy Spirit to overwhelm us a little bit, why, well, we have to choose to. The wicked one will invade your space and force himself in your territory. The Spirit of God will wait to be invited, but when he, when the Spirit of God overwhelms you, he's the Spirit of truth. He's going to show you things to come, and he's going to push out darkness because he's pure light. And when pure light comes into you, things you didn't know were wrong, you go suddenly go, oh, I didn't realize that. I could have done that better. Then we repent and say, Holy Spirit, help me fix that. Why? He's the helper to the fix. And he's the repairer of the breach. He's the one that fixed broken down situations and broken down people. In the Old Testament, he had to come upon somebody to do that. God would make visitation on a person like he did Jesus in the form of a dove coming out of the river Jordan when he was baptized of John. In the Old Testament, the best they got was a moment's visit from the Holy Spirit. What we can have if we want to is to be overwhelmed with him anytime we want. We don't have to fast and pray and cry out to God for six weeks and have a bunch of sacrifices and put ashes on our head and do everything they did in the Old Testament. We just say, Holy Spirit, live big in me. And we begin to pray and he begins to speak out of our own mouth. There's so much to say in this, but what I'm trying to do is bring things down to an easy understanding of who he is, so we won't want to live without him or without his help. I believe why Christians will struggle in the age to come that we're entering into will be because they do not know the person of the Holy Spirit. We know a lot of Scripture, but I'm going to tell you that's never enough Scripture is impossible to live by without our helper who wrote it. The Holy Spirit moved on the men of God, even in ancient days, the Old Testament prophets, to write the Scripture. He's the author. We know of Scripture. If he, Jesus, the Spirit of truth, is the author, he's the finisher. He can finish anything he starts. If we step out and say, I'm taking a step of faith, he will help us walk it out to where our life has changed. Sometimes the enemy will fight that. You're always going to have an enemy. But I'm going to tell you something about your enemy. He knows who the Holy Spirit is, and there's an incompatibility that makes the enemy leave and depart the moment you're overwhelmed with the Spirit of God. I'm so thankful for that. Acts 1-4, Jesus commanded the disciples before he ascended to wait in an upper room to go there and wait. And he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come in a few days, and it actually was 10 days. We know he came in at at, at the 50th day, and he said, you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost and power. The Holy Spirit doesn't come without the ability to get done whatever needs to be done. That's why we want him. I've, in the last few weeks, had to rely on a lot of friends to help me. I call on them to be my helper, and they come to be helper, but they're not helper sitting still. They're helper hands-on. Why? There needs to be some manpower behind what I'm doing right now. So what happens is I call on helpers and they come and they're endued with physical power and ability and sometimes mental power and ability to work things out and get things done. And don't you like friends like that? You call on them, they can get you out of a bind. and you think I'm a little overcommitted here? Why did I make this decision? Even though I believe God was showing me to do this, I'm feeling overwhelmed. When you're feeling overwhelmed, he wants to come in and overwhelm you with his presence to fix being overwhelmed. We know how to do that, friend to friend. He wants us to be friend to friend with him. He wants us to be just like that, whatever it is, wherever your heart is overwhelmed. He wants to come in. What happens? Here's how you know. He overwhelms you and your heart feels better. Sometimes that happens in a quiet way, sometimes not so quiet. Many times when I'm praying, I recognize when that's happened. Now, That word baptized is the same word that that the the word martyr comes from. Say, Oh, mercy. (laughs) Why do I want to be martyred? Well, what the Holy Spirit does is he allows you to choose to martyr your character of what it was before you were born again. To choose to die to things that need to go. That's not a one-time experience. It keeps happening to me. I don't like it. But when I embrace God's way, he makes it easy. Why? If I choose to martyr myself for Christ in, in some capacity, if he deals with me about something, I say, I will change my way to please my master, the Holy Spirit comes in to help make it so, and what happens is I live in a resurrected life afterward. Jesus gave his life for you and me. He was, in a way, martyred. He chose that path. He made the choice to give his life for you and me. Now, we make a choice to give our life back to him in the same spirit, in the same way that he did for us when he went to the cross. We know we don't have to to deal with or put up with all of the stuff he took on, but we have to let something go. If you want the Holy Spirit to be your great friend, you'll learn when he's tapping you to let something go. And he likes to catch us before we get in big trouble. He likes to relieve us of what is about to get us addicted. He likes to change our thinking about compromise so we don't enter into sin. He likes to change our our, our dominance from not being flesh-dominated or intellectually dominated, but rather to choose to be dominated by his Holy Spirit. To be dominated by the Spirit of God, we've got to die to our own thinking sometimes. We can think we're right because we've done something 20 ways before and found out which one works, and then we find out God's got a new instruction. Or we think we don't have room in a relationship to go the extra mile, and we find out God's got a new instruction, and our mind has to be uh, relieved of duty for a moment and take on the thought of Christ. So, I will change my mind for you, Jesus. That's martyr thinking. Saying, All right, Lord, I belong to you. You're my master. I'll lay this down. And it isn't a painful death, but it's a glorious resurrection. I won't say the death in that doesn't cost you something because when we get comfortable, set in our ways. And at my age, you get set in your ways. We were just talking about that right before church, Penny and I, about being old enough to get set in our ways on some things. It takes the Holy Ghost to change that. A wife will try. A husband will try. Even the kids will try. You usually don't work. You don't go anywhere. Why? Something about crossing the threshold. I don't know. That happens around 30. That don't happen at 40, 50 or 60. That happens about 30. We get kind of settled. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is say, wait, you're too limiting. And you're too limited. And I want to help you accomplish more in a better way, easier way. And at the same time, it's going to accomplish the kingdom of God. See, he wants our life to have these multiple layers of purposefulness happening all the time. Only the Holy Spirit can make arrangements like that. I like to think I'm a strategic thinker, but he outdoes me every time. I've just experienced a marvelous Holy Ghost season outdoing me. And I kept almost getting in his way and stopping it by getting in my head and thinking it needs to work out like this, like this, like this, and starting to push the buttons like it ain't happening that way. It ain't happening that. Okay, it isn't going to happen my way. Sometimes we learn like a little puppy being trained. I've never lost that aspect of my personality. Some things I've learned to be very obedient to the Holy Spirit, but he likes to bridge new territory with this old dog. And you can learn new tricks. And I have learned to respond to his leash. Why? He knows I need new skills for life as it is right now. He knows that, that I'm going to have to do some things differently as my, my, my children get older and grandchildren keep coming. I'm going to have to change my, my ways to satisfy all the things that I want to do. I need extra help. Otherwise, it gets stretched too thin. And I've not met a person over five that doesn't feel at times stretched too thin. Over 30, most people are. Why? We want to do more than we can ever do by ourselves because God made us be that way. If you're aggravated about that, he made you like him and that's who he is. He always has an open-ended agenda. He wanted us to experience that we must have him or live frustrated all the time. That's who he is. If we're not careful, we'll start shutting down things God wants to do because we know we're beyond our capacity. That's where he wants to step in and say, do it this way. Why, Jesus said, I am the way. And he said he was the door to get to the way. Well, we've got the door. We just have to pay attention to the way. Why? He's always open to hear our prayers. He's saying, what do you want to know? And the door is wide open and no man's going to close the door between you and Jesus. But he wants to tell us his way to cooperate, his way of doing things. And there's a lot of testimonies that are made in knowing that difference right there. That same word, martyr, means to be submerged. When Jesus went to the grave and the the stone was rolled on it, he was submerged in the grave. So there's times we know utterly we're changing something drastic and radical in our lives. I've had some of those. I've had many of those by choice because I recognize God's changing the way I live, the way I operate. He wants me to be something I never thought I could be. He wants me to public, do public speaking. I never would have chosen that. He wants me to learn business. I, I wouldn't have known that. Everything I've discovered that the Holy Spirit has brought to me, I could not have gotten to without his help, and I couldn't have accomplished it without him being right there with me. Whenever we discover God's plan, it has elements like that. Where you think, wait a minute, this is impossible. Yeah, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible to the one that believes. And I've had a little trouble sometimes being the one that believes. Well, that's well and good for somebody else. Look, they're real comfortable doing that. God, just go tap them. You know what he said? I'm not asking that of them. I'm going to ask something uncomfortable of them as well. There's a lot of teaching today that people are motivated by that, oh, if you want to do it, God's anointed it. I would would beg to differ. The scripture never teaches that. The scripture teaches God has chosen from the foundation of the world who we are and what we are to be and what our body looks like and everything else about us. And he has a plan that we will not find out without seeking him first. But when we seek him first, he likes to reveal that, say, let me give you this, let me give you this. Think of it this way. We had an old old German shepherd dog. He got pretty old. His name was Baron von Schluder, my mother named the dog. We called him Baron, (laughs) but he was a German shepherd, so that was an appropriate name. And that dog would always look to the, the door on the old farmhouse. There was a certain door we went out that was like the family door, only it went down to the basement when you came in. You could kind of smell the old basement-y smell. Anybody else know you were in an old farmhouse? There's like the family door. Nobody else goes there. It's usually you get through the kitchen and out the farmhouse, and it used to be the path to the outhouse, okay? It's just nobody else went there. But that dog would watch because the table scraps went outside. We always had a lot of animals. Table scraps went outside, and that dog knew no matter where he was, he'd raise his head and make a little sound so you could know where to throw the bone. He didn't want to get up and run for the bone. It hurt him to get up and run. He used to do that. In fact, he used to be at the door smelling the chicken frying in the kitchen knowing if I wait here long enough, they will bring me the bones to this chicken and I will get all of them and the cats will get none of them. So we had a little rule. You separated the, the bones out for the dog, and the cat's got other stuff. And mother was, like, vigilant about that. Make sure everybody gets something. It's kind of a socialist little thing, I think. But <laughs> all the little animals had to get something. We had to make sure it happened that way. It's a mercy gift in my mom. My wife's the same way. Now, what what what'd we do? We, we'd come out the, the house, and he, he got old and if All he could do is raise his head and perk his ears up. What do we do? We walked out to the old dog. Understand... The Holy Spirit will work with you in your current condition, and he will come right to you to feed you what you need if you'll ask him. He knows when we're too desperate. He knows when we're too hurting to approach the way we want to with great faith. I would say Baron had greater faith in his older age by just raising his ears and looking than he ever did running to the back door waiting for the handout. Well, it took a little bit more to trust that his source would bring it clear out to him. Think, well, if I was smelling the chicken, I would have made my way to the house. He had faith in who he served, quite frankly. Sometimes we have to think like the old dog. Sometimes we've got to put in perspective, and that that doesn't sound like maybe a, a great example of God with us. But I'm telling you, if we put ourselves in in God's position thinking like a pet would the owner, they depend on us. We have a little old cat named Gracie. Gracie is on more medication than either of us have ever taken in our lives, and it costs money. I mean, there's a pharmacy bill at the veterinary for the cat that has to go to Champagne to the specialty vet to be able to go on because she's kind of getting an old cat. She was about to see her last days, but her source... Lucinda being her best source you know I'm thinking kitty kitty let's get healed come on now we don't need a thousand dollar vet bill <laughs> yeah but mama's a little more attached to kitty cat because kitty cat and mama spend some time together because grandma's at the house I mean, this is how we're living so kitty cat went to the vet in champagne and got the all all the stuff done and all the pictures taken and and now she's doing great Who does she thank for it? She thanks Lucinda a little bit, but who does she jump on every morning? She jumps on me every morning. As soon as I come downstairs with my coffee, she's there. And I think, okay, there's a lesson in this of how we will be to God if we understand the arrangement he made with the person of the Holy Spirit. No matter what it is, there's nothing too costly for him. No matter what it is, we can't even pretend we deserve it. We're in a relationship where we learn to depend on him, and here's the kicker. He wants it that way. He designed us to need him that way. It's not a wrong thing. It's a very right thing. The person of the Holy Spirit of God is not sitting with you, side by side with you, bored, silly. He's with bated breath waiting for you to ask for his help. So he can be what you need to the level you need it in the moment you need it to fulfill the plan of God in your life and bless you while he's doing it and give you more than you ever asked for. When we look at prayer in the scripture, particularly New Testament prayer, it's God's will to give us more than we need. He is, it's his desire to meet our desire. The Holy Spirit is the person to deliver the desire of God that he puts in your heart. How do you know what that is? It has righteousness attached to it. When you know it has righteousness to attach to it, it will give him pleasure. You want to have a better job? What are you going to do with the wages from the better job? What's motivating that? You want a bigger house? What are you going to do with it for the master? You want a better vehicle? Who are you going to bring to church in it? Or who are you going to help move when when, when people in church need to move from one house to another? Say, really, pastor? Yeah. Yeah. What we do is we say, all right, I belong to you, and you're the king of a kingdom, so whatever you put into my life, part of your kingdom. Show me how to steward what I can do in the kingdom. Show me. Then you have to know how to, how to manage that. Right. The Holy Spirit helps you manage, because sometimes you'll say, no, that isn't, that isn't on the list. You know, well, Sometimes somebody will ask something you know God's not put in your heart to do. What do you do? You say, Holy Spirit, is this you? They don't feel like you. Why, you get used to what he feels like. You get to where you know, and that's called discerning the Holy Spirit. You get to where you know what to do and how to act. You, you learn when to be quiet. You learn when to jump ahead. You learn when to assert yourself. These are vital skills. So we talk about our kids in summer camp, and, and by the way, that's unchurched friends, not just any old Tom, Dick, and Harry friend. Unchurched friends. Well, we're bringing them to Jesus, and we're bringing them to church somewhere. Okay, just throwing that in. Why? Uh, that, that's part of what the Holy Spirit does, is he will set people up in a new kind of lifestyle, a life and lifestyle that has promise in it. The promise of the kingdom is if we engage in it to the degree we engage in it, he will bless our life. The Holy Spirit's the one doing that. We'll just bumble along on our own. I've experimented, and, and now I can't, can't see that great anyway to do this, but I used to try to get the darkest possible room I could in a strange place and see what it was to navigate the room where I had about three seconds to look around and then close my eyes and go totally pitch black. Why would you do that? That's what it's like learning to be led by the Holy Spirit because the minute you choose to be led by the Holy Spirit, the devil will try to put darkness around you. You'll think, what in the world just changed? Why did it get harder? It should get easier. You have to adjust to let him be the one seeing what you can't. To live by faith, we are are speaking those things that be not as though they were. And we speak into the dark room, and the Holy Spirit shows us how to navigate. People say, I need a confirmation. I need direction for my life. We should never have to ask another person to pray for that, but we do. Why, we haven't learned that skill yet. Life is many times what God has. When, when the door opens of God's future for you, there will be darkness in the room because you're going to go in and change it by the power of God. You're gonna be the one to step in with the light of God working through you and shed some light in a dark place or with a dark person or in a dark situation. And with the Holy Spirit's help, you're gonna transform that into part of the kingdom. I had a vision several times really about things in heaven, heavenly things. It felt like I was there. And I was seeing construction and houses and how it was happening. It was being spoken into existence. And we were speaking the heavenly realm into existence here because we have the right to create even things heavenly. Jesus gave us that much authority when he rose from the dead. But people were living for God in the earth. Some were doing better than others. And there were empty shelves of houses with no lights on. And I looked in and some of them didn't have anything in there. And I thought, well, I hope they're not coming home pretty soon. It'd be a strange way to live in an empty house with no power, no nothing. And then I had a revelation. The power of God brings light into the room when we obey God. And I would see little lights coming on here and there in some of the houses, thinking, okay, that means God's doing something through a person in the earth. Why do I bring that out? Because life is like that. We will enter into a room that is part of God's design for our habitation. He, does, he considers your life to be like a house he wants to dwell And if you will enter into the dark room and trust him, he'll turn the light on in there and it'll be a part of your place to live. It'll be a part of life. Kind of like when a baby comes, when you're anticipating a new baby. In the old days, we didn't know whether it was a boy or a girl, except usually three old ladies at church would tell you what it's going to be. And they were a little bit more than half the time right, but they were going by, does she like to eat this or that or the other? In our case, they were wrong both times, but mama was right both times. But you get to where you, 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 you learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and recognize you enter into what is a dark situation, and we want to think it's fatalistic or problematic. And the Holy Spirit says, no, speak life to it. Speak faith to it. If you enter into a, a room that says cancer, you might want to speak to that cancer and say, cancer, be gone in Jesus' name. Father, I believe your healing power is going to work in my body, and I will live and not die. That doesn't mean you run from the doctor. It means you employ light. It means you bring who is in you out into the dark room of your life. If you're needing a job or want a better job, it's the same thing. When God opens a door and you go in, it's all new. You learn to navigate. You learn what it is to do that job. It's great when we have a helper, but the Holy Spirit wants to be that helper whenever we encounter darkness. Yet most Christians encounter a little bit of darkness. They meet somebody and think, I don't think I'm the one to reach them, and they close the door back. And God is looking for us to recognize when we step across that, that threshold, the light is in us and immediately things will lighten up in the room. But if we never go there, I know people today, many Christians addicted to substance of one kind or another, and they're looking for faith to believe, but they're wanting somebody else's faith to do it for them. And all they have to do is recognize they're already shut up in a dark room that they can't navigate and can't seem to get out of, and it's a very real thing, and it happens with so many things now. I will say it this way. It's the devil's chief attack on Christians is to be addicted by some, to something. And it's not talked about much, but I'm going to talk about it in context of the Holy Spirit because he knows how to break that and change that. We just have to be bold enough to say, I am in a dark room. This is, I hear Christians say this, I'm just in a very dark place. Okay, then that needs to change. We may not need to hop out of the place. We need to say, Holy Spirit, show me how to navigate out the other side of this. See, deliverance is getting out of something that you've gone through, but you don't go back out the door you came in. You go out the door of Christ and say, I'm done with that. And Jesus slams that door behind you and says, deliverance. That means you're totally set free. You will not be that way again. You will not be forever addicted to cocaine or whatever it is. You will be free because you didn't go out the way you came in. The devil's not going to let you out that door. He's the one that opened the door to get in. Jesus opens the door to get out, and then he closes it. That's the door no man can open. Jesus closes it. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He helps walk us through that process. Sometimes there are instant things that happen. Other times we've got to choose to obey him in several steps that we come out. And many times when Jesus opens the door to be set free, there's another Christian there with an arm out saying, take hold of this hand, I'm going to jerk you out of that dark place. And they help you. Why? That's what accountability looks like. And it's very real. I believe as Christians, one of my passions that I recognize for this hour is Christians suffer far too much. We put up with far too much of the devil because we forget who is living in us. He's the greater one, and he's greater one than every other one. But I've got to learn how to cooperate with that greater one, or I'm going to feel like less and less. Now, we're still on the introduction. I've only mentioned one verse, haven't I, so far. Being submerged with and in the Holy Spirit. It's the same word used when John was baptizing at the River Jordan and people were being baptized in water or immersed in the water, only there's a connotation here that it's submerged. When when people come to be baptized in our services, we use the word immersed, but what really happens is they're being submerged. I ask, are you afraid of water? And do you breathe through your, your nose or your mouth? I ask them a few questions if people look scared. Sometimes they're going out there like, I don't swim or anything. Think of the waters, 80 degrees, and they're shivering. That's, that's a little anxiety at work. So we work through that little bit of anxiety, why they, they knew that they were going to have that moment. So what do we do? We, we, we immerse. I tell them that you're going to go down and right back up. But we guide them down. We sometimes make sure everything goes under the water. Why? Some people are, they just don't want this to go under. Well, I'm going to tell you, if anything needs to be baptized in water, it's our noggin, okay? That needs to get under there and be submitted to Christ. So you can call it immerse, but if I'm in on it, you will be submerged. Why? It will be a very real, it covered everything and you got wet all over. That's the word used, In our relationship with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't come when we say, Holy Spirit, thank you for helping me today. That's not submerged. Submerged is we talk to him for a while every day, and we know what it is to be dunked. And I'm going to tell you something about the Holy Ghost that I don't do. He will hold you under for a minute or two if you need it. So that sounds terrifying. It's not terrifying. We learn to submit to the Holy Spirit. See, when we're baptized in water, it's a picture it's a picture of an inward commitment that we've made, and we're saying, I'm going to be changed. And we come out of the water wet instead of dry, and that's all the note of change most people see. And they sigh a sigh of relief, and they're glad they made that public commitment. Then the enemy tries to come when things dry out and say, you're just the same old dude you were before. Then we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to say, no, that's not true. And other Christians to tell us, Congratulations. You made a public declaration. Expect the devil to fight that. But when you win, when he's fighting you, that's what we call a testimony. The testimonies weren't racked up before that. They come up after that. Why? A testimony means you've had a test that made you mony and you overcame it. It's exactly what it means. You found a victory. The Holy Spirit helps us in that. But when he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it isn't the picture that people have on the, the walls of churches. Here comes the dove. To land on your head. A dove landed on his head is not going to get anything but swatted away. He doesn't want the dove to stay there long enough to cause him problems. The Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove because it was a picture of the Old Testament Holy Spirit approving him as the Son of God in that situation. You're going to experience affirmation the same way. But as easily as a dove can land on you, if you move a little bit, you're going to fly off. That's a picture of the Old Testament, Holy Spirit. What happened in the New Testament is he said, I will not leave you. And he doesn't come in like a dove. He comes in when you choose to want to trust him enough to be submerged in the person of God. He comes literally and surrounds you when we pray a prayer to be filled. And he waits for you to breathe him in and accept him and he overwhelms you with his presence. Sometimes it's so overwhelming at the beginning, people immediately begin speaking in another tongue. Other times, people have been healed of great diseases in meetings like that. Some of my meetings, particularly years ago, received healing from cancer and broken limbs and all kinds of things. Well, the Holy Spirit wants to do as much as he can in the time that we give him. And what happens many times is we think, oh, that was wonderful when it happened, but he's saying this, he's there to stay. So no longer is he going to come in like a dove because you're calling him. You're going to call on the ever-present Holy Spirit who is waiting to do what's next, and he already knows God's agenda. So sometimes if I'm just not feeling just so, I say, Holy Ghost, there's something you want to do, and I need you to get at doing it. Whether I know what it is or not, I ask you to work in my life. I ask you to bring the power of God into me so that I not only have right attitude about challenges ahead, but I have the energy to do it. I have the inspiration to do it from you that I won't shirk back and say that's for another person to do, but I'll embrace it. There's so much in this you're going to see in this, 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 this time. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit will take you through levels. Levels that have a little bit of martyr in it, but a whole lot of resurrection in it. Think of it, Jesus was only in the grave three days. He's raised from the dead forever. Think of it, he only had to go to hell for one reason, to to, to empty it out and take the keys. But he went and did it. He did all of that, so we never have to do that. And all we have to do is, is learn to enjoy the benefits of the person of God who won't leave because we've messed up, who won't leave us because we've been too busy, who won't give up on us even when everybody else does, who will not step back and change his mind because we've been foolish or stupid or done something we ought not have done. He never gives up on us. He's always there to cheer us forward. All we have to do is stir ourselves in his direction. I'm gonna teach you in this time of teaching together how easy it is to walk with the person of the Holy Spirit, Your only enemies, really, are are, are the devil and what hell can muster against you and ignorance on our part. When we learn to spend a little time with him, revelation comes and we recognize, I'm not doing life without him. And then the devil fights that, and you find you went three days without hearing much from the Holy Spirit, and it's too long. What happens is you become addicted to what he brings. Did you know God gave you the capacity to be an addict? The original addiction was to be the relationship of love between the Heavenly Father and His children. So whenever there's an empty place we're looking to fill, it's because He wants to love us in that place. And when we let Him, it's the person of the Holy Spirit that comes in and makes us whole. So I will ask you to consider this in this series, words that Jesus said repeatedly in the Scripture regarding physical problems, emotional problems, mental issues and problems, spiritual problems with devils, demons, evil spirits, addictions, and crippling problems, will you be made whole? That's the invitation of the Holy Spirit. Will you be made whole? And then allow Him to move in your life to be doing that. If you're not in a position to need that right now, I will speak of your future. There's a time coming. You will need him to be everything to you because the world will run out of answers. The world will run out of cures. The world will run out of stuff. He's our source of supply. Well, I'm going to respect you because we're only really right there. So there's at least three more sermons on that page. And you know what? We're going we're gonna to take our sweet time to get what he has. Why? I don't know if you perceive, but I perceive an anointing in this house for God to move and upgrade and change life as we know it. What he's really doing, I'll tell you what he said, he's, he's creating the pushback against the enemy's agenda so we can have the testimony from the victory life that he has in mind. I want to pray with you, and then we'll dismiss. The altar will be open for ministry. If you want prayer today, the the predominant anointing I can tell you is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to receive the baptism of fire that comes with the person of the Holy Spirit to help you get rid of problems you want gone, or to experience, I'll say it this way, a kickstart of the Holy Spirit working in you. If it's been too long and you're really, really down, then uh, that's what today is about. I'll tell you who the Holy Spirit is for you. He's the author of revival. He will bring it, but He wants to sustain it, and that condition to be what we live in the rest of our lives. It is the will of the Heavenly Father, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say to release his spirit on all flesh that will receive it, even those that will not. It's his desire to be fully available to every man, to every woman, to every person who will call on the name of Jesus. The hours come and the day is at hand where many will call on the name of the Lord for the first time, even in doubt and unbelief. But the Holy Spirit stands ready to hear first the voice of one crying in the wilderness as John did of old, crying out of the wilderness again for the word of the Lord to come in the presence of God to be rich in the earth. And men will rise up and women will rise up and youth will rise up strong in this hour because they will learn to rely on the Holy Spirit wherever. Every other source of encouragement seems to run dry. And there shall again be rivers and desert places, says the Lord your God, and the waste places shall be raised up. And God shall see his kingdom come into the earth in a way that the world will think suddenly a type of fire storm has come. But it is the rejuvenating promise of God to burn out some things and allow the decay of what was wrong to fuel on and foster life in what was right. For the plan of God shall prevail and his children shall enjoy the season ahead choose this day to serve the Lord, you and your house, and you shall see the blessing, and you shall see the will of God prevail, and you shall see the victory come, and there will be new direction that will seem to set your life like a city on a hill to be seen. For the hour of Jesus' witness has come into the earth yet again, as John was the foreteller of Jesus, coming into ministry to accomplish great and mighty things. Shows shall the anointing be on everyone that calls on the name of the Lord in this hour to cooperate. Operate in kingdom work and kingdom business. And there shall be power poured out with the Holy Spirit. There shall be power available unto men that have never seen the power of God before, and life will not be as you have known it or accepted it to be. For the Spirit of God says, this is not the life of God for my children. I have foreordained a life of victory for them, and I declare that it
0: is so in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we could. St- thank you for joining us a special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry it's because of you that ministry at living word church is possible you can get more information on our website at go to lwc.org you can also give online as well if you enjoyed today's podcast you can subscribe you can share it with your friends you can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of his word.